3: this january at the coliseum we not me versus the nfc and for the first time since 2003 the rams are nfc west champions
4: hello guys and welcome to rams talk radio i'm your co-host blaine greasek and i'm here with steve ribero it's our first show together great to get this thing started how you doing steve
1: doing great man excited to get into this should be a good
4: show. Same, same. I mean, we have a lot to discuss. I mean, we the we have the Marcus Peters trade last week. Finally, the details of that trade came out. Earlier this week, a lot to discuss there, and, and, and we'll we'll get into we have a big big show plan. We'll talk about Les Knee, talk about the trade, talk a little combine at, towards the end. So I guess yeah, let, let's just jump right in. But before we jump right in, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. Find us at Rams Talk Radio. And if you aren't on iTunes, be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud. We have a SoundCloud um, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Android, or Google Play. Basically, anywhere you can get a podcast, we are there. So jumping into this news, the Rams Derek talked about it on the last show. The Rams traded for Marcus Peters, and finally, finally, those details came out. Um, Rams gave up just a 2019 second round pick and a, a 2019 second round pick and a 2018 fourth round pick in exchange for Marcus Peters and a 2018 sixth round pick. So, there's no first round pick there, um, which was kind of surprising given Marcus
1: Peters' talent. So,
4: what were you expecting the trade to entail, and what were you, what were your thoughts when the when the terms came out?
1: So. It- you would think that a guy like Marcus Peters would have netted a first-round pick, no question. And when the when the trade got announced, that's what I think everyone assumed. And I got a little confused there because it was surprising to me that the Rams would trade their first-round pick two years in a row, even though the odds of that pick becoming a more productive player than Marcus Peters weren't very high. It just it would have surprised me a little bit if the team moved on from their first-round pick that quickly. But... I don't think anyone really saw a 2018 fourth and a 2019 second that more than likely will be in the late fifties coming for a guy who made all pro in his second season and has only played three years pro bowl in his first two little Rocky last year. And you know I understand that the chiefs wanted to get rid of him, but it's really surprising to me that no teams would have given up a first round pick. You would think a team near the end of the first round, like, you know, even like the Eagles or Patriots or any contenders that could have used a a cornerback help, especially this cheap, would have given up a late first for him. So or even like an early second. It's just really surprising that this was the best haul that the Chiefs could get for Marcus Peters.
4: Exactly. I mean, you mentioned New England. You know that they they ran into the um, Malcolm Butler controversy in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it is surprising that they wouldn't give up, you know, a, a, their first round pick to, to get to pick to get a guy like Peters. But yeah, I mean, I, I was I, when when it first came out, like you, I, I kind of ex- expected to be a first, and, and I was fine with that. You, you give up a, a first for you know a guy that he's one of the, the best co- young cornerbacks in the league, and I mean, if you're drafting a guy like josh jackson or you know isaiah oliver or even mike hughes out of the university of central florida you know those The draft is a giant crapshoot. I mean, you, you don't know what these players are going to become. So, I mean, even if you were you know, giving up a, a first-round pick for Peters, I, I was fine with that. But to not give up a first-round pick and to give up a, a second-round pick like that, like you said, will end up most likely in the 50s if the Rams win 10, 11 games again next year, um, and then a fourth-round pick this year, and those picks, they don't always pan out. And, I mean, you get Marcus Peters, and you net a sixth-round pick as well that, you know, you can use as capital to move up back into the fourth round because the Rams have four sixth six-round picks. I mean, I doubt that they're going to keep all four of them. Um, they'll, they'll end up moving, moving them and get into the fifth or even the fourth round. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was just, I, I was shocked that it wasn't a first-round pick. It was, you know, Les Snead pulled a Grand Theft Auto here on the Chiefs because he, he robbed them pr- pr- pretty badly, I think. And, I mean, reading Twitter, I was going through, you know, Arrowhead Pride on, on, with SB Nation and their editors and re- readers and just Chiefs Twitter in general were pretty upset about this trade and, and it, it didn't make sense to them, and I mean, I, I see their end of it, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm extremely excited because the Rams, they say they they're only paying this guy like ten million dollars over the next two years, and compared to what they were paying Trumaine Johnson, who you know he is a solid number one cornerback, but you're, you're getting a, a guy that's potentially elite, and that, if he's if he continues playing at the level that he is now, he's a potential future Hall of Famer. So. It it's just it, it, I'm I'm ecstatic about it and it's it's hard not to, you know, really excited about what this guy can do under a guy like Wade Phillips coaching the
1: defense. Yeah, and the worst case scenario here is he's Tremaine Johnson but cheaper. And he's been better than Tremaine Johnson for most of his career and we expect him to be, but I think that's a big part of it and I we don't have to get too into the trade because I know Derek and Norm talked about it previously on the podcast, but it's really it's like elite young player at a very cheap rate and the Rams don't have to worry about negotiating contract with him this year. They have a fifth year option, but if he performs well this year, you gotta think they're gonna look to extend. And it's hard to predict any extensions until Aaron Donald gets done. But this is a home run for the Rams. For the Chiefs, I mean they had I guess they had to move on rumors he wanted out. They didn't want to deal with him. But they gotta be a little disappointed with the Hall. Even though you could do worse for a guy if people know that he wants out, but it's crazy that nobody would have offered him a second round pick this year. That they got to wait a year for that pick. And I know we didn't have our pick, but this is crazy.
4: For sure. I mean, when when I look at this trade, you know, it's it's just it kind of reminds me of the Marshall Falk trade back in you know the the, the off season before '99 when the Rams made that run. You know, the, the Marshall Falk had his issues in in, in Indianapolis. Contractually, you kind of get the same situation here, except on the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, you're getting a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, um, the Rams play the Chiefs um, in, in Mexico City this year. Uh, he was, Peters was on NFL Network earlier this week and when asked about you know the new quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he says he knows how to give me the ball. So th- th- this is just that, that he has a chip on his shoulder now. He's excited to be on this team. I, I-, I would I would think. And um, and when you combine those two things odds are you're going to get a pretty pretty special player that, that wants to come out and play every single week.
1: Yeah, I, I love that quote. He goes, he goes, I'd give me the ball. He, and he stuck up for Alex Smith in the interview. So it's interesting, but the rumor I saw is that he requested a trade pretty much as soon as the year ended. You could tell he wasn't happy there. He's definitely going to have a big game against the Chiefs when they play. But yeah, this is a home run for the Rams. It, it bums me out a little that it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Tremaine Johnson's gone. You know maybe we work out a deal with them, but I I think going to be pretty low on the priorities list. With you know Joiner needed to get done, Sammy Watkins something needs to happen there. But this solves a lot of problems, and at the cost of a second round pick next season, you you do this a hundred out of a hundred times, no questions. Even if it doesn't work out, you know, even if Peters is a head case as he's rumored to be, like which I. I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna be very happy in L.A. But if it doesn't work out, this is a swing you have to take.
4: Exactly. I mean, like, like, like I said, I mean, this is a guy that if he if he plays at the level that he was playing at in Kansas City, this is a guy that's a potential future Hall of Famer. In three years, he has 19 interceptions. Like that, that that's more in streaming. Than Tremaine Johnson had in six years. Tremaine Johnson had eighteen in six years, and Peters has nineteen and half that half that time. So um, you're you're, you're getting a guy that he he makes plays, and you have you have to take you have to take the risk. And if it's only for a second and a fourth round pick, it it, it doesn't hurt anything. But um, one thing I do want to ask you though is, many mock drafts had the Rams taking a cornerback in the first round. How does this affect the 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 the, the, the draft plans? I mean, is cornerback still a position that you explore because of you know Kavon Webster was hurt. basically, all all last year. Um or, or are you are you going or are you going offensive line or or inside linebacker? I mean, what are you what are what's your thought after this trade?
1: I'd be surprised if they took a cornerback in the first round for sure. I think I'd also be surprised if they didn't draft one at all. I think in the third and the fourth they'll look for a guy like that. You know, less need and we're gonna get into less need he really has nailed a lot of defensive backs in the second, third, fourth round. So I don't really think – I think we have bigger needs in the first round. I think they're going to look for a linebacker, an edge rusher. But, you know, it's hard to predict where they're going to go with that pick until we know what's going to happen with Joyner, with Quinn, with Barron, and you know, Ogletree is most likely going to be here. But, to throw him in that mix as well.
4: Exactly. I, I 100% agree. I mean, I'd say, you know, you, you still do draft a corner later later in the draft. I mean, Troy Hill hits free agency. Um, who, knows, who knows what happens with Joyner and Nicole Robbie Coleman. Hopefully those guys are back. But yeah, I, th- I think focus is inside linebacker and, and and edge rusher as well as you know maybe you you, you try to draft andrew Witt with a successor at, at tackle before we move on we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor of the golden ram barbershop over at 13755 golden west street in westminster california give sal a call at 714-894-7267 for an appointment hours are 8 a.m to 6 p.m monday through friday and 7 a.m to 4 p.m on sundays sal opened the golden ram barbershop the day the rams left st louis and kept the lights on until the team returned dedication right there the the shop is a shrine to the rams where fans can go for a true barbershop experience so give sal a call at 714-894-7267 use the promo code ramstock and trust us you won't regret it also, if you, if you are a business owner and looking to get some exposure as our sponsor, email us at rampstalk1945 at gmail.com. We'd love to talk to you and um, give you more information. But moving on to our topic here, um, you know, I, I really want to dive into Leslie as, as a general manager because with Jeff Fisher and now without Jeff Fisher, there's this dark cloud that's just – it's hanging over Leslie's head. Um, for some reason, he, he gets the blame for – from the fans for what happened while Fisher was in Los Angeles, even though, you know, Fisher had basically a, a grapple on the, on the roster and what happened with the roster. Um, but, you know, he hasn't gotten the credit for the big turnaround last year, you know, bringing in guys like Andrew Whitworth, Robert Woods, um, drafting a Cooper Cup. You know, Sean McVay was a big factor in, in all that, and I'm sure he had some sort of say, but, you know, Snead shouldn't be discounted um, with that. So with that said, is Snead being underrated by Rams fans? And the NFL, for that matter, is the team's GM. I mean, the last two offseasons, he trades for two basically unwanted guys in Sammy Watkins and, and now Peters. And, you know, I mentioned he signed guys like Whitworth and Sullivan to turn the Rams offensive line around. Um, so what are Snead's strength and, strengths and weaknesses and kind of what's your feel on Lesney as a GM?
1: I was pretty indifferent about Les Snead during the Fisher era, and when Fisher got canned, I was actually hoping that we'd give Sneed a chance to see what he could do without him, and we've been vindicating that for sure. He had a hell of a year last year, and everything finally came together. And you know, before we get into this, it's important to note, Les Snead didn't hire Jeff Fisher. He was hired after Fisher was already with the team, so... He might have had a little bit of loyalty there to where it was tough for him to I mean, make a decision to get rid of Fisher. He also probably would have had to clear that with Cronky, who probably did not want Fisher out until the team moved to LA just to sue that thing over. You had to, we knew that was brewing for a while, and we knew that that was a huge part of why Fisher got that extension in his final year, and why he was even there in the final year to begin with. I
4: totally agree. You know, um, I, I was I was in after Fisher was was, was canned. You know, I, I like you. I, I wanted to see what Snead could do as a general manager because I, I, I always kind of felt like Fisher had had basically final say on on the on the roster, and you know, I I think Snead has really proved himself. These, these these last offseason and and this offseason, for that matter, it's difficult to take a four and twelve team and turn them into a, an, an eleven win team basically overnight. He get, he gets rid of guys like you know Kenny Britt, Brian Quick, guys who you know were replaceable and, and guys that might have been cancers in the locker room. And he brings in guys like like Whitworth and Sullivan, you know, leadership type guys and um and and, and going after taking risks on guys like you know Sammy Watkins who whether or not you you, you agree well, that that was a that was a big move and it, it was a, a move for a potential elite talent and you get the same thing here with you get the same same thing here with marcus peters and i mean sneed certainly has his weaknesses and and, and we'll get into those but um i i, th- I think sneed deserves so much more credit than, than than he's getting right now
1: yeah and uh before i get into this i gotta say you mentioned getting brian quick as one of his good moves which is was a good move, but it was fixing one of his worst moves, which was drafting him in the first place. Yeah, yeah. But you really look at Snead's body of work now that we can step back and we've seen what the team could do with McVeigh. Because really, it was never a personnel issue as to why the Rams were so bad. It was part of it. Part of it was because they didn't have a good quarterback. The line struggled. The receiving core was weak. But they always had an elite defense, and that was one of Sneed's biggest strengths. But you look at the big moves of the Sneed era, and it started with the RG three trade. The Rams traded one prospect to get a haul that ended up being Michael Brockers, Janoris Jenkins, Isaiah Pede, Rocavius Watkins, Alec Ogletree, Stephen Bailey, Zach Stacey, and Greg Robinson. They didn't hit on all those picks, most notably Greg Robinson, but having those extra picks Gave them years where they could take Tavon Austin and Alec Ogletree in the first round. Gave them years where they could take Greg Robinson and Aaron Donald. And in that particular draft, they were able to draft for Need, and they were able to draft for Talent. And while Need didn't work out, Talent has worked out and then some with Donald. But that's eight picks. He hit, I'm going to say he hit on half of them, because he definitely hit on Brockers, on Jenkins, even though he's not here, and on Ogletree. And I'm going to give a half a point each for Stedman and Zach Stacey. Because for wildly different circumstances, they had their moment and then fizzled out. But that trade was a home run. They chose to stuck with Sam Bradford. Now, that didn't work out. And they cashed out while he still had some value. And they got Nick Foles, which didn't work out. But people forget that they got a second-round pick in that trade. And that second-round pick made it a little easier to swallow the Jared Goff trade a year later. With that second-round pick they were able to cash that in on that trade. Another great move he made after Fisher was gone. Sean McVay, that was not a safe hire. That was a swing-for-the-fences hire that worked out in dividends. He hired literally the youngest coach in NFL history. If Sean McVay came in here and performed to a level of like what Van Chosep did this year, Snead would not have a job. Like Zero chance he'd have a job if Sean McVay didn't work out. And now that he's worked out, he was one of the best executives last year. You mentioned the Sammy Watkins trade, and you roped that in with the Marcus Peters trade. Giving up second-round pick for guys that are either proven, like Marcus Peters, or have proven but still have a lot to prove, like Watkins. Bringing Watkins opened up the offense, no question. Whether you like how Watkins played, whether you want him here next year, We don't have that success without the gravity that Watkins brought to the passing game. And that relates back to Todd Gurley. And my final strength of the Snead era was he drafted talent over need when talent was pressing. When Todd Gurley got drafted, they had Zach Stacy and Trey Mason on the roster. They didn't need a running back. They took Todd Gurley. Look what happened. Aaron Donald. Pretty much their only settled position on the team was defensive line when they took Aaron Donald. They take him, works out for us. So, in those, it's really hard to argue against this guy not being a good general manager. Is he a great general manager? We'll get into that when we talk about his weaknesses, but it's hard to look at his body of work and say, yeah, he did a bad job.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, I think the thing that I love the most about Lestine is that he's not afraid to make the big move. I'm, I'm, like, like you said, you know, the, the RG3 trade, that, that's – um I, we we saw what rg3 turned out to be but you know bradford had, had his injury history um drafting rg3 that's potentially your franchise quarterback and um and, and yet you know steed passes that up to, to to bring in you know like you said eight guys and i mean he hits on he hits on half of them but um doesn't hit on doesn't hit on all of them but you know being willing to to make that trade. Um the Jared Goff trade, same thing, you know, you don't win in the NFL without a franchise quarterback. And you know, Steve gives up picks and goes and gets his guy. Um you know, going out and getting Sammy Watkins, going out and getting uh a Marcus Peters. He, he, it always seems like Leslie is making moves up or down in the draft. Um he's just he's a guy that's, that's willing to be aggressive and willing to Make that big move and and to win and, and to me that that shows that he's a guy that wants to win and, and wants to build a contender and wants to sustain that success um we'll, we'll get into his, his, his weaknesses but you know that's just an aspect of less that i i i i really like um you, you know you have you have general managers that, that sit, sit back and, and and do nothing and i mean we, we, you see that you see you see that in Green Bay, they sit there, they, they don't do anything in free agency, um, and as of right now that they have Aaron Rodgers and basically, basically nobody else on that roster. Um, so we, we, with us team being able to go out and, and being willing to make the, the big move, whether it works out or not, that's that, that's just an aspect of, of his philosophy that, that I really like. Um, as far as his one of his weaknesses, being able to extend and keep and keep his own guys. Letting Janoris Jenkins walk after saying you know the, the secondary was priority A that offseason. The way he handled Tremaine Johnson, giving him the not giving him a long term extension and and just you know giving him the franchise take. The way that he is now handling um, the Aaron Donald contract, not, not locking him up last year, and and who knows what happens 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 this off season. Um, so so being able to lock up lock up his own guys and, and extending extending guys on the roster, I think that's an aspect of of his. I I guess I I I don't know what what to call it, but I think that's something that he ha- he needs to improve on. Yeah. Um especially you know when you guys when you, when you have talents like, you know, Sammy Watkins now that's probably going to get franchise tagged and you just you, they, he just traded for a guy like Marcus Peters that I mean that's an elite talent you're going to need to lock him up at some point.
1: And you look at the inverse of that in terms of locking up guys. He tends to lock up the wrong guys. Tavon Austin is you know that contract is inexcusable at this point. At the time it was a lot of money to give to a gadget player who you'd hope would become an every down guy. But it was it was not set in stone that he was ever gonna be that guy when they gave him this huge extension that you no, know, he might get cut I and mean, they might just eat five million dollars because they'd rather have three million dollars in cap space than have Tavon on the roster for eight million. And another player they extended a little too early was Nick Foles super Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles as we call him now. They extended Foles before the season even started, which was really, really surprising to me when that happened. I would have much rather let Foles play the year out and seen what happened.
4: Just going off that, how much of, you know, say do you think Jeff Fisher had had in those contracts, though? Uh, uh, You know, that's just something that we're never going to need to get the answer to, like, how much say Jeff Fisher had on the contracts, on the draft picks, and, and and all that. But, you know, how much credit do you give to Fisher? How much credit do you give to Snead? Like, where does the fault how, – how much fault do you give to each guy?
1: I think for most of that era, it's mostly 50-50, I'd say. I think they both had a lot of say. I think in terms of the extensions, I feel like Tavon was more Fisher's guy when he wanted to extend him. On the flip side – I can't imagine Fisher developing enough of a connection to Foles in that little time period to stay, lock him up. And I guess maybe the idea behind it was that quarterbacks were getting paid so much. They got Foles if he worked out on a relatively cheap deal, but it, it's hard to to swallow that one, but it is an interesting point with Fisher because a lot of those guys, they brought in early, the Cortland Finnegan's, the Jared cook, makes makes me want to throw up whenever I mentioned Jared Cooks. Yeah, yeah. When those guys were clearly Fisher guys, and I think Finnegan, it didn't work out as well as we hoped, but it worked out a bit. He was he was fine. Jared Cook was awful, and I think you gotta. While Fisher is partly to blame, you can't act. We can't act like it was all Jeff Fisher's fault. Sneed was the guy drafting these players. And, well, a lot of them were Fisher guys. I think on the offensive end of the ball, I think Sneed most likely had a little bit more say in that side. And that was his worst position, drafting-wise, outside of really Todd Gurley and this year, I guess, Cooper Cup. He missed on a lot of receivers. The Brian Quick pick, he took Brian Quick with the first pick in the second round. Alshon Jeffrey was still on the board. Alshon Jeffrey was a proven commodity in college. You knew that when he got to the NFL, I don't know if he was going to, his ceiling was as high as what I guess Quick's theoretical ceiling was, but his floor was stories above what Brian Quick's floor was. And Brian Quick was a project that the Rams didn't have time for. He was a really long term investment. He barely played football before getting drafted and they took him at the first pick in the second round over Alshon Jeffrey who was a better prospect at the time who's clearly a better player now that that pick was really just that one was one of the more inexcusable moves yeah
4: for for sure for sure that that's that's one that you definitely you look back on and it's it it just it just makes you shake your head and and, and you just hit the X on on the on the on the internet tab because it's just too terrible it brings up too many bad memories um but yeah, I mean, I, I I do agree with you there. Um, it's you know Brian Quick definitely was. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the offensive prospects in general. I mean, you, you bring up bring up Greg Robinson with with the second overall pick. Terrible, terrible move. Who knows why it didn't work out? If, if Robinson just you know lost his passion for the game or or, or whatnot, but um, it, it ended up being Jason Smith 2.0. I mean, yeah, and then I mean you bring up you know. I mean, Tavon Austin. He's he's you don't draft a gadget guy with the eighth overall pick, and that's he coming out. He was getting drafted. He was getting comparisons to Percy Harvin, who was a who was a gadget guy. Um, So that that pick also also didn't make sense. You bring up Brian Quick. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of offensive guys that didn't work out, and on on, on the same side, I mean, you, you look at you know the defensive guys that he did hit on Brockers. Um, Jenkins, Tremaine Johnson, Alec Ogletree. and maybe that was more so because of just the coaching staff that was in place too. I mean, you had Fisher, who was a defensive minded coach, and, and Greg Williams, who was a pretty good defensive coordinator, and then now you you have a, a completely different different philosophy as a head as a head coach. And Sean McVay is very offensive minded, a very you know great supporting staff on the coaching staff that that, that are able to develop these guys. And I mean, you, you, we saw we saw that last year with with, with Cooper Cup. Even, even in flashes, Gerald, Gerald Everett. So who knows if, if that kind of, I guess, takes a flip bec- because of the, the coaching staff in place now than, than before.
1: Yeah, and if you look at the Rams drafting since 2012, it's night and day when you compare who they drafted on defense early versus who they drafted on offense. Now listen to the guys that they took in the first three rounds on the defense side of the ball. Brockers, Jenkins, Tremaine Johnson, Alec Ogletree, TJ McDonald, joiner aaron donald and john johnson right yeah yeah all of those guys started and produced for the rams and most of them either got paid or are getting paid the only guy that hasn't seen a payday yet out of all those names is john johnson because he was a rookie last year jenkins got paid john tremaine's i guess got paid with the franchise tag ogletree got paid donald is going to Get the mother load when that happens. Joiners about to get paid. Then you look at the picks on offense that they had in the first three rounds. Brian Quick, Isaiah Pede, Tavon Austin, Stebman Bailey, Greg Robinson, Trey Mason, Jamon Brown, Rob Havenstein, Todd Gurley, Sean Mannion, Jared Goff, Gerald Everett, Cooper Cup. A lot of those guys were bad. We'll give him a pass on Simon Bailey because he was good until his unfortunate incident happened. But Isaiah Pede was just a straight-up flop in the second round, and it, it made them was a big reason why they had to draft a running back in the first three rounds. Trey Mason, yes. a, another guy that I, it was a lot of that was ended up being very complicated, but you know he had one good season. That's it's still a knock on his belt. Greg Robinson obviously was you know a pretty. Well-regarded prospect at the time that didn't work out, and you look at the players that got drafted after him. I mean, if you want to throw up right now, go look at the 2014 draft and look at the guys that got picked in between Greg Robinson and Aaron Donald because it's. Some can of the can best you players. can
4: you imagine if the Rams had picked Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald? Yeah,
1: or Odell Beckham, or even Sammy Watkins. I mean, yeah. it's nuts the guys that got picked in there, and you know, hearing those names on the opposite side of the ball, it's like outside of Gurley and Goff and I, I guess Cooper Cup now none of those guys have been good and the only like even Charmanian in the third round that didn't work out at all he's there he, he, will he be back this year no I don't know It's you gotta hope that Everett and Cup and to a lesser extent Josh Reynolds are a sign of Sneed guys and I guess now that you got McVeigh helping with the offensive decisions, I mean, Everett, we don't know yet, but you can't call him a bust at all after the season. That's ridiculous. And Cup was a home run. And Reynolds showed a little flashes. So you got to hope that he was hampered by Fisher more, but you cannot give him a pass for those picks in the offensive side of the ball that high and that poorly.
4: Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally. Agree. He, he shouldn't get a free, pa- a free pass on all of it for, for sure. I mean, and and it's amazing. I mean, you, you just bring up bring up the, the names on defense, and the names on offense, and it's just like you said. Basically, everybody in the first three rounds when you draft on defense are getting paid or 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 have gotten paid. Meanwhile, on offense, they, they, they nearly didn't hit on anybody. So um, completely night and day. Um, lots of improvement there as well as you know being able to lock up guys. I mean, Todd Gurley is going to be coming up. J- Jared Goff is going to be coming up eventually. Um, the, the, these are guys that are, are going to demand pretty big contracts, and um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how, how Steed handles those. But moving on here to... Kind of our, our, our last thing that uh, that that I, I, I want to bring up It's draft season. It's the off season. It's what everybody's talking about. Um, NFL Combine um, is is is, is going to start up here um, next, early next week. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't want to delve into the prospects of uh, that that will be participating in the combine because, I mean, as a as someone who, who, who watches the, the, these guys and um and and, and grades them out to. Just kind of my own, my my own extent. I, I don't really look at the combine. I, I you look at last year, you got a guy like John Ross destroys the forty yard dash and doesn't do anything in his rookie year. These some of the tests matters. Some some of the tests matter. A lot of them don't. How much stock do you do you put into the combine, and how much stock should fans put into these these tests like the forty yard dash or or the long jump or the three three drill, etc.
1: Yeah, the combine is easily the most hyped, overhyped like thing in any sport it is ridiculously over hyped and i think overvalued but there's still value there's undeniably value and you mentioned john ross i think what people should take out more from the combine is when guys perform really terribly like when a guy like john ross just blows you away with that 40 yard dash and just his athletic skills you know this ain't basketball you can't just throw out an athletic seven footer and have him just Catch alley-oops and block shots. Athleticism, while very valuable, is not the only thing that matters. Now, on the flip side, if a guy comes out and is really slow and does not look like an athlete in the slightest, unless he's playing quarterback, it's a bit of a red flag. So for me, I think I don't want to overvalue guys that blow you away in the combine. If it's a guy who you've already liked as, you know, as a coach, as a scout, or as a fan... If you already like a guy, he shows up in the combine and he blows everyone away, then you should talk yourself into him for sure. But if it's a guy that you didn't really like his film or anything like that and, you know, say John Ross comes out, runs the fastest forty ever, you shouldn't put that much stock into it. I think it's more of a spectacle just for scouting season and really just a meet for scouts to meet guys and to see see them up and close in person.
4: Yeah, um yeah I mean I mean I I, agree. I I think I think this is this the combine is, is more a place where you can hurt your draft stock more than help it you always get the guy like, like John Ross or, or I mean even even tavon Austin blew blue Scouts away at, at the combine and and for some reason their their stocks just skyrocket um and over doing nothing that involves the football so uh, I mean that's where I'm coming from there I, I, I think this is more of time like like when it came to the Jared Goff trade, Leslie had mentioned, you know, talking to the, to the Titans general manager, they they just happened to have a, a, a suite right next, right next to each other. And so they were able to kind of, you know, are, would you be willing to move, move down if we try to trade up? I, I think there's a lot of trade stuff, trade talks going on and general managers just kind of, you know, poking at each other saying, Hey, what, what's your plan for the draft? What, what are you, what are you looking at? What do you think about this guy? Et cetera. Um, but, but, I I really don't think you can put too much stock into it. Like like you said, I I think it's more of a spectacle. Um, but you know, is there for 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 for, for the for the fun of it, I guess, is there a guy that that, that you're looking forward to see to running of the 40 year dash or, or or benching? I mean, I Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame, big offensive guard, the 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 the, the best one in the draft, probably, but probably a top ten pick. I think he could destroy the, destroy the bench and and really lift, put up some weights. Um, and then as for the forty yard dash, I'm a huge Sa- Saquon Barkley guy, and I, I'm looking forward forward to him running the forty. I mean, is, is there a guy that you're looking to to um for, for for any of those drills that fans really seem to pay attention to?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how Lamar Jackson grades out at this combine. He's a very interesting prospect in that a lot. I mean, people are saying he shouldn't be playing quarterback. For me personally, I don't I see a guy like that and I don't know how somebody doesn't give him a shot at quarterback. You're not gonna draft draft him the first round as, you know, your guy. That's a recipe for disaster. But he's a guy where if he's available in the second, third, maybe if later than that is a home run, but even in the second or third, I think if you're a team that isn't for sure sold on your quarterback situation, that's a guy I go out and get because he's he's proven that he can ball whether it'll to the NFL level remains to be seen, but that's a guy I'm interested to see in through the draft process, how he grades
0: out.
4: For sure. I mean, that, that's kind of been the, been the story of the draft between him and him and Baker Mayfield, May, Mayfield. I mean, th- those guys have been um, kind of hog, hogging the headlines there. But with that said, that um, just about wraps up, wraps up the show. Once again, find us on iTunes, subscribe, leave us a five-star reveal, a five-star review. Like I said, it, it really helps us out. And I mean, Subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Like I said, we're on Andrew and Google, Android and Google Play. I can't, I can't talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you can follow me on Twitter at pxcreasec1993. Uh, Steve is is Steve Rivero. Anything else? Anything that you wanted to add to, to wrap up the show, Steve?
1: Yeah. Final thought. I this the deadline's coming up soon. Do you think? Who do you think the Rams franchise, if anybody?
4: I, I think it has to be Sammy Watkins. Um, I think they. They they go Joiner long term. I I know there was a there was a report, but I think Mike Mike Raffalo um saying that they were lean, leaning towards Joiner um over over Watkins, but I I that think that is gonna be the opposite. I think they I think they franchise Watkins and, and, and try to work something out long term with Joiner.
1: Yeah, I definitely think they franchise Watkins. I I think they want to give him kind of like what the Eagles gave Alshon Jeffrey that prove it prove it one year deal, and then they'll extend him if he proves it. I this might be a topic for another day. I think they do try and get a deal with Joiner. Not sure if you see her next year, honestly.
4: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because I, I, I mean, I think he's priority priority A and with and with the cap. He's a healthy, ha- a healthy honey badger. He's 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 a guy that I think they need on defense. But you know, if there's a team that really wants to overpay him, I, I guess I could see it.
1: Yeah, it's just it's hard to trust Sneed bringing back defensive backs, honestly. But I mentioned this in the last. Podcast that I was on to his credit Every year we enter The season with safety concerns With depth or talent and every year We end up with these random dudes that are Balling out John Johnson Mo Alexander Ronnie McCloud uh, Joiner to a lesser extent because he Played a different position but I don't think we Expect him to go this successful but I I trust Sneed With the secondary I, He's done a great job at Building it he hasn't done a good Job at keeping it but Whatever his decision is with Joiner, I, I will have faith.
4: Yeah, same. Um, yeah, I, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they get something done. But yeah, like you said, you know, last year Mo Alexander was the starting safety, and and all of a sudden he was cut, and John Johnson steps in, and almost almost has a pick six against the seahawks but with that said that just that just about wraps up this show like i said be sure to subscribe subscribe to us on itunes i'm sure we'll, we'll have another show out shortly um i'm 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 playing grease for steve this is ram stock radio and, we'll, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon
1: talk to you guys soon
3: relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.